Wearing a lampshade for entertainment purposes only, it's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The Medicare podcast that challenges all other Medicare podcasts to a royal rumble. And now still trying to catch flies with vinegar, it's Medicare expert Doug Jones. Well, hello again, ladies and gentlemen. It is a time for another episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast, but you probably already knew that. Once again, my Canadian nephew, Drew McMillan, probably spilled the beans when he introduced the uh, opening of the show. And I'm sure that he said something complimentary about me. At least that's what I like to think. So we are here again. We do this three times a week. And we do it for your benefit because I'm Mr. Altruistic, Mr. Helpful, Mr. Um, spread the Joy. And what I'm spreading joy about currently is Medicare. If you're approaching Medicare and you have uh, concerns about what you should be doing or what preparations should be made or what the proper way to approach Medicare is, then you could come to no better place because I'm going to tell you to buy my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man, ironically the same name as this podcast. So if you go to Amazon.com or if you go to BarnesandNoble.com and search Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023, you're going to have the opportunity to buy a very attractively priced publication that will tell you everything you need to know about preparation for Medicare. And uh, by the time you finish reading it, which I'm guessing would be a couple of stiff drinks or maybe an hour and a half or so, you're going to be an expert. You're going to be more expert than any other kid on your block. So I say buy the book, enjoy the book, and then contact me for help acquiring your Medicare insurance coverage. So um, what happens during a course of a recording of Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast? Well, typically... I can't get through it by myself, so I asked my good friend and podcast engineer, Randy Carson, to join us. He does some of the heavy lifting so that I don't have to carry it all myself. Hello, Randy. It's great to see you again this morning. Good morning, Doug. You're looking bright and chipper for, uh, oh, gosh, a day or two into the new year. Yes, it's only a day or two, but uh, my bushy tail that you always refer to is uh, certainly fluffy and and, uh, ready to go. I'm yes. hoping. Well, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed fits you to a T today, Mister Jones. Well, you're very kind. I hope you tell that to the frog in my throat because I'll be making, <laughs> I'll be making a lot of use of my cough button today as things go on. But anyway, I asked Randy if we could cut the crosstalk a little short today so that I could uh, meet an obligation that I have coming up pretty soon. And he said, "Well, if you insist." Uh, you know, his contributions to the podcast are uh, appreciated by the audience. So I'm taking a major risk here in asking for silence, silencio, but <laughs> it won't last long. Uh, I What I thought I'd do is uh, address an article that I ran across recently. And the headline of the article is weighing the risks of major surgery. 
Here are seven questions that older Americans should ask their surgeon if they're contemplating surgery. And the coolest thing about this headline, it says older Americans. It doesn't say seniors. I hate the word seniors. I am old and I don't want to be called senior. Um, Some of the audience members probably feel the same way. Others may not. I don't know. Uh, Hopefully I can turn you all into the word senior haters, because I think it's just a, a denigrating term for old and decrepit people. So anyway, a guy named Larry McMahon, who turns 80 this month, is weighing whether to undergo major surgery. Over the past five years, his back pain has intensified. Physical therapy, muscle relaxants, and in- injections are not offering any relief. It's a pain that leaves me hardly able to do anything, he said. Should McMahon, a retired Virginia state trooper who now lives in Southport, North Carolina, should he try spinal fusion surgery, a procedure that can take up to six hours? Eight years ago, he had a lumbar laminectomy, another arduous back surgery. Will I recover in six months or in a couple of years? Is it safe for a man of my age with various health issues to be put to sleep for a long period of time? He asked. These were some of his concerns that he expressed in a phone conversation. Older adults contemplating major surgery often aren't sure whether to proceed. In many cases, surgery can be a life-saving procedure or can improve a, a, uh, oh, there's that word, I hate it, I'm not going to say it, or improve a person's quality of life. But advanced age puts people at greater risk of unwanted outcomes, including difficulty with daily activities, extended hospitalizations, problems moving around, and the loss of independence. And so um, this woman who wrote this article, her name is uh, something or other, Judith Graham. She said, I wrote in November about a new study that shed light on some risks people face when having invasive procedures, but readers wanted to know more. How does one determine if a if the potential benefits from major surgery are worth the risk? And what questions should older adults ask as they try to figure this out? So uh, she said, I asked several experts for their recommendations. Here is some of what they suggested. Um, number one out of the seven questions, what is the goal of this surgery? Ask your surgeon, how is this surgery going to make things better for me? Now, that seems very simple. I don't see any... Uh, any reason that this would be a difficult concept, that would be the first question out of my mouth, too. Uh, so anyway, you're supposed to be asking, will it extend your life by removing a fast-growing tumor? Will your quality of life improve by making it easier to walk? Will it prevent you from becoming disabled, like a hip replacement? If your surgeon says, we need to remove this growth or clear this blockage, ask what impact it will have on your daily life. Just because an abnormality such as a hernia has been found, doesn't mean that it has to be addressed, especially if you don't have bothersome symptoms and the procedure comes with complications. Uh, If things go well, what can I expect? That's question number two. Uh, A vascular surgeon often cares for patients with abdominal aortic aneurysm, an enlargement in a major blood vessel that can be life-threatening if it bursts. Here's how she described a best-case surgical scenario. This is what scared me. Surgery will be about four to five hours long. When it's over, you'll be in intensive care with a breathing tube overnight for a day or two. Then you'll be in the hospital for another week or two. 
afterwards, you'll probably have to go to rehab to get your strength back. But I think you can get back home in three to four weeks, and it probably will take you two to three months to feel like you did before surgery. Randy hasn't been through this kind of stuff, and he's frightened right now. I can see the terror in his eyes. He's saying, nope, I'm not doing that. They're they're not going to have a chance to cut me open and do that kind of stuff. So among other things, people might ask their surgeon, according to a patient brochure um, that this guy, this doctor created, what will my daily life look like right after surgery? How about three months later? How about one year later? Will I need help? And for how long? Will tubes or drains be inserted? Now, here's question number three out of the seven they mentioned. Those questions I asked just now are not numbered among the seven. If things don't go well, what can I expect? A worst-case scenario might look like this, according to Schwartz. You have surgery, then you go to the intensive care, then you have serious complications, you have a heart attack. Three weeks after surgery, you're still in intensive care with a breathing tube. You've lost most of your strength, and there's no chance of ever getting home again. Or the surgery didn't work, and you've still gone through all of this with no improvement. People often think that I just uh, die on the operating table if things go wrong, says uh, Dr. Emily something or other. Um She says, uh, but we're very good at rescuing people, and we can keep you alive for a long time. That doesn't sound as as, uh, inviting as I had hoped. Uh, Being kept alive, like uh, being plugged into a machine, I suppose. The reality is there can be a lot of pain and suffering and interventions like feeding tubes and ventilators if things don't go the way we hope. Here's the next question. Given my health, age, and functional status, what is the most likely outcome? Once your surgeon has walked you through the various scenarios, do I really need to have this surgery, in your opinion? What outcomes do you think are most likely for me? Um, This uh, research uh, suggests that older adults who are frail or have cognitive impairment or other serious conditions, such as heart disease, have worse experiences with major surgery. Also, people in their 80s and 90s are at high risk of things going wrong. It's important to have family or friends in the room for these conversations with high-risk patients. Many people have some level of cognitive difficulties and may need assistance. Oh, boy, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure that I want to have that conversation at all. What are the, uh, here's another question, what are the alternatives? Make sure your physician tells you what the non-surgical options are. Older men with prostate cancer, for instance, might want to consider watchful waiting ongoing monitoring of their symptoms rather than risk invasive surgery. Women in their 80s who developed small breast cancers may opt to leave it alone if removing it poses a risk given other health factors. Because of Larry McMahon's age and underlying medical issues, uh, which are referred to as a 2021 knee replacement that hasn't healed, arthritis, high blood pressure, His neurosurgeon suggested he explore other interventions, including more injections and physical therapy for his back problems. He told me, I make money from surgery, but that's a last resort. Here's another question. What can I do to prepare myself? Preparing for surgery is really vital for older adults. If patients do a few things that doctors recommend, like stop smoking, lose weight, walk more, eat better, they can decrease the likelihood that complications and the number of days spent in the hospital uh, will be uh, a problem. 
when older patients are recommended to uh, this uh, Duke University's uh, pre-operative optimization of senior health program, uh, when older patients are referred to them, they receive a a comprehensive evaluation of their medications, nutritional status, mobility, pre-existing conditions, ability to perform daily activities, and uh, support at home. They leave with a to-do list of recommended actions, usually starting several weeks before surgery. If your hospital doesn't have a program of this kind, ask your physician, how can I get my body and my mind ready before having surgery? Also, how can I prepare my home in advance to anticipate what I'll need during recovery? And here's the final question of those seven questions I told you about. What will recovery look like? There are three levels to consider. What will recovery in the hospital entail? Will you be transferred to a facility for rehabilitation? And what will recovery be like at home? Ask how long you're likely to stay in the hospital. Will you have pain or after effects from the anesthesia? Preserving cognition is a concern, and you might want to ask your anesthesiologist what you can do to maintain cognitive functioning following surgery. If you go to a rehab center, you'll want to know what kind of therapy you'll need and whether you can expect to return to your baseline level of functioning. During the COVID-19 panic, a lot of older adults have opted to go home instead of to rehab. It's really important to make sure that they have appropriate support. Um, that's a uh, woman who is director of care for transformation and post-operative services at uh, uh, Boston Hospital. For some older adults, a loss of independence after surgery may be permanent. Ugh. Be sure to inquire what your options uh, are should that occur. Okay, well, that's a very depressing article, Randy. I'm glad we got it out of the way during a short uh, episode where we can invite everyone to go out and have fun and uh, join uh, join in the frivolity that the new year is going to bring and maybe well, maybe stop thinking about this. Absolutely. Well, what we're going to land the plane just a little. We're going to come into the airport just a little bit early today, Doug. But I, I, I did have one question that I would certainly answer if I was going to have surgery. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's that? Will I be able to play piano? Okay, because the question then I would ask as your surgeon, can you play now? <laughs> and the answer would be no. <laughs> well, then, <laughs> then no change will occur. Yeah. Well, Any we other need questions? to land. Yeah, I told I told Doug we're going to land the plane a little early today because he's got some other things he needs to do. He's going to put a bid in for that three million dollar Corvette. I think. Oh uh, boy! Don't tell not. Dominic. Don't tell maybe Dominic. Not. I won't. I think you and Dominic might be bidding against one another. Uh-huh. On well, may the best man win. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you all for joining us. Uh, we certainly appreciate it. You could have been a number of different places, and you weren't. You were here with us, enjoying a few minutes with us on Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. But also, if you would just do us a favor, go out and find some place to give us a rating on this podcast. We'll start out the new year with, with five stars. That would be awesome if we could do that. But in the meantime, you have just spent, as you might imagine, looking at your watch, 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma, no more living up in the high altitudes behind Cave Creek in his fortress of solitude. Bye-bye, everyone.